0: All right, hello everyone. Welcome to Let's Go There, the podcast about searching for God in a post-truth world. I'm here with Mark this week, Mark Brewer, who's attempting to pronounce the unpronounceable. Mm-hmm. And, it's not uh, going well. No, I saw a little video that you did in your van, and uh, how are you? Pro- I saw how you tried to pronounce it. What was the pronunciation you came up with there? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right, you know, exactly. that. Yeah, The I'm searching for words and they're not coming. Right. Now, for, for those of you who didn't see,
0: he actually pronounced it with his face there. So <laughs> it's hard to come across that on the podcast. Uh, so we're talking about What's in a Name, a series on God's name. And I think we're going to have, as we go, uh, you're going to also have some guests join you with your messages, right? And tell yeah. stories.
1: Looking forward to hearing from people as we talk about Certain names, people with certain stories that connect to those names, I feel like it doesn't matter how good of a sermon you preach, there's there's nothing more powerful than someone's story. Yeah. They always blow the sermon out of the water, and yeah. uh, I'm excited to hear from them. So we'll have to, uh,
0: we'll see how we can incorporate those into the uh, future podcasts. You kind of introduced the topic this week. You said, we make a lot of assumptions about people purely based on their name. We all do that. John's are certain ways and Sandy's are certain ways, (laughs) and we equate a name with personality. And then you talked about how all of us have a name that was given to us and we didn't really have a say in it. So, my first question is Do you think that we have put a name on God as a society, or do you think that God has given to us his name?
1: Oh, I think we've definitely given God all kinds of names, whether they're accurate or not um, Mm -hmm. is beside the point, but we. And we refer to God as all kinds of different things. There are people who refer to God intimately like a father. Mm-hmm. Um, some people refer to him as an an energy or a force or kind of this pantheistic approach where everything is God. Nature is God. The trees are God. You know, then other people have <laughs> derogatory mm-hmm. names for God. And to them, God is, is a joke or God is a myth. But we, we have certainly given him a variety of titles throughout the years. But at the same time, if you read scripture, God has certainly named himself and told us not just what his name is, but his names and what that all encompasses.
0: And you started by telling a story of Abraham interacting with God. Maybe I'll let you describe the story, but the conclusion was Abraham named the place Yahweh Yerah, which means the Lord provides. And you talked about how the people of God started to Connect God's name with God's actions and His personality and all that. So, do you think that the name or the personality of God was revealed all at once? Was it revealed over time? Like, how has that grown?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely feel, especially reading through Old Testament scriptures, that God slowly revealed Himself over time to people in a variety of different ways. I think, I think for God to simply show up and say, "Here is all of Me," would be unfathomable, not that he's fathomable to us at this point anyway, but it certainly seems to be there was times when God was a provider or a healer or a redeemer or a savior, all of these things, and over time you can see God's people begin to develop this larger idea of who God is, even in the way he refers to himself as, I am the God of your your ancestors, as if to say, all of those things I am too. That whole of progressively revealing himself, he's still doing that, mm-hmm. right? I think he does that for us personally, mm-hmm. where I can even go back now and look at times in my life where I realized, oh, God is that, yeah. because this happened to me, or he provided for me, and maybe that's a thing I read and took as true, but when he did it for me, It became real. And Mm -hmm. so I I think he's always revealing himself over time.
0: Yeah, something goes from the conceptual to the I guess he really is like that. Right now now that I've experienced it. Yeah. Yeah. Now you went into, you know, last week was Easter and you went into um, the Passover story with God talking to Moses and saying, I want you to go to Pharaoh and and Moses responds to God and he says, Who shall I say sent me? And he asks God his name and God replies. He says, This is my name. This is my eternal name. So what did he say and what what do you think that name means?
1: I love this is one of one of my favorite pieces of scripture. That's mm-hmm. just a good just a good answer. Mm-hmm. Moses asks, What your what your you know, what's your name? And God says, I am. Mm-hmm. Just I am who I am. And you can almost picture Moses like reflecting on that and being like, oh okay, but like what's really mm-hmm. your name? Mm-hmm. And the answer again is I am. You can tell them that I am sent you. And it's really just a a way of saying, I am all of those things. Mm-hmm. I I am this all encompassing, this always existing Outside the realm of any other descriptor, I am, because names are limiting, right? If you just say, I am a provider, well, that doesn't necessarily make you a healer or a savior. But when God says, I am, it's really a way of saying, I'm I'm all of those things. I am above all and around all. I will always be here. I've always been here. Hmm. It is the catch-all of all (laughs) catch-alls. I am. Yeah, it's interesting how he said,
0: I am, this is my eternal name. So mm. it's like, I'm always, I am, as mm-hmm. I just am. Uh, it reminds me of back in university in philosophy class, you know, we talk about the classical arguments for the existence of God, the cosmological argument, teleological argument, et cetera. And I remember in the cosmological argument, this idea that, you know, everything has a cause. And so if everything has a cause, it has something that caused it. And so that thing that caused the thing also has to have a cause. And so then you start to back up the cause thing has a cause, and that cause thing has a cause. And so at some point, the logic follows. There has to be an uncaused causer, has to be something that started the whole sequence of events. Here, when I hear God say, I am, it's like he's saying, I am that thing that has no cause. I Mm -hmm. am, Mm because I always was, not that I became at some point. Right. uh, But I am the cause. You talked about how back then people wouldn't, pronounce the name of God. They were afraid to speak it. Why do you think that was? And how do you think that affects how people approached God?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, this was this was commandment number three. So this this mm. was from God himself. He's being pretty clear in these first few commandments that I, I am the only God, don't make other gods. Mm. And then he comes out and says, don't even misuse my name. Mm. I am your only God. Kind of how you take that is just to even... To even say my name casually or flippantly or in the company of these other gods or other things would be to cheapen who I am or my sacredness or I think the way that you speak about someone reflects the way that you feel about them mm. for God's people to somehow use his name casually or cheaply or however that is mm. would have reflected on their relationship with God and so it was a way of saying he's so much bigger and holier and mightier mm. that really you, you just shouldn't even say say his name, the potential, I don't want to say a potential downfall. We had a conversation before the podcast started Mm -hmm. where sometimes reverence is equated with distance Mm -hmm. and something that's so holy and mighty and powerful is something that I should probably stay away from. Yeah. That relationship is strained really, if that's the case.
0: Yeah. And yet do you ever wonder, I know I do, sometimes have we lost a bit of that reverence side? Maybe we're a little bit too casual. And then on the other hand, I think, but with Jesus, we've learned that God is more accessible than maybe was perceived to be in the past. So maybe there's a natural intimacy that, that changes the language. But do you think we've lost it a little bit, that reverence, that aspect of it? Uh,
1: yeah, I think I think you are right on in that you can lose that reverence and swing the pendulum way to the other side of things but at the same time way to the other side of things isn't all that bad hmm. either if mm-hmm. it's closeness with god and and a practical tangible relationship with god that we're after so yeah. it's really a catch 22 of what one is right and what one is wrong well they're they're both good and true yeah it, it's hard to make one right or wrong because they're not yeah um and i know yeah you know, as a pastor you hear all the time people who say i can't I can't believe you bring coffee into the sanctuary that's, <laughs> you know, God is holy and, and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. if we have somehow lost God's sacredness because of what goes on in a church building an hour a week, mm-hmm. I think there's other things happening there that are that are wrong. But at the same time, there there is something to say about, you know, how do we reflect on his sacredness and his holiness and... You know, maybe we don't talk about that enough.
0: Mm. And you were talking about God saying, Don't use my name in vain. I remember when I was in university, somehow I had this thought and I remember just how universal I heard the curse word was God or Jesus. And I, I remember going, Why is it so broadly universally used? Around the world, every culture, every time, like it was an issue two thousand, three thousand five, four thousand years ago. And still today, people who might believe, might not believe, are atheists, whatever, they'll still use God's name. I was just thinking about that. Like why, in, in a way, it was telling me something about God, like almost like there's something here if everyone just seems to want to pick this name. No one uses your name. Right. You know right. What you're I, saying we you should use I your even, name,
1: like Mark the Leaf lo- the yeah. leaf's Lost. <laughs> <laughs> I, gave, I gave the church permission to use my name instead, right? Because yeah. oh, my name doesn't people are using it, I know. I've yeah. had a few people <laughs> <laughs> comment on that. Yes. Yeah. Which I guess I told them to, so. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't have a good answer to that other than I felt similarly. Like there's, Mm. you know, what is it about his name that would be so universally repeated for thousands of years? I bet someone has written like theses on, you know, the the historical meanings behind cursing. (laughs) But... I don't have any good answer for it. Yeah. Other other than there's got to be something to that.
0: You use the term. You said okay, they didn't speak those four letters Y H W H, but they used this term Adonai, which in the scriptures is translated Lord. God said, "I am the Lord. This is my name." So does that add further definition for you? The word Lord versus like Adonai versus I
1: am? I think Lord for us. Has that picture of someone being over something, right? We we use the phrase they lorded it over them, mm-hmm. or someone is a lord over this chunk of land, or uh, a lord over ownership of something. I think lord has at least a little bit more meaning to us when it comes to understanding what that word is defined as, right? Mm-hmm. I am I am the lord of this, but when God says I am the lord, He, he doesn't say of what. <laughs> it's yeah. the the meaning being I am. Yeah. The Lord, I am. Mm. Whatever you see, I am the Lord of that. I am Lord over creation.
0: Yeah. In the first case, I think of the one who always was, the one who always is, the uncaused causer. In this case, the one who's in control, you know, mm. which probably goes with the uncaused causer, but may not necessarily in your mind. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. I want to go back to earlier you talked about this risk that goes with the reverence, having that reverence where you said, you know, the the downside of it, if there's a downside, is that we could be afraid of God. And then you kind of went into a story about Samson's dad and judges where you elaborated on how we should think of God's name.
1: Yeah, there's a, a similar story where Manoah, Samson's dad, has an encounter with God, and he asked the same question Moses does. Just, what is your name? And the answer, instead of being it's too terrifying for you or too Mm. holy or distant or unfathomable. The answer that God gives is it's too wonderful. Mm. It's too wonderful for you to understand. Mm. And I I love that translation. I love that approach because it's saying it's, it is huge and Mm. incredible and unfathomable, but not in a a negative, terrifying run away from me kind of way. Mm. But it's the name that it's so wonderful that you want to, know this god you want to run to this god and have a relationship with this god and so fear is a a great motivator and god talks a lot about it in scripture certainly Mm. used it a lot in the old testament for sure Mm. but the the point of it isn't that we should all be still terrified and running away from god but it's there's something sacred and wonderful and creative about his name that that you should be drawn to him Mm.
0: I just like the idea that there is something too wonderful for me to understand. Right. It yes. means it's like, <laughs> yeah. makes me want to understand it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, wow, mm-hmm. there's something that's actually, because there's some wonderful things in the world. But there's something that's too wonderful for me to understand. Yeah. It's kind of mind-blowing. Back to this dad part that you talked about. Now, you went into more in the New Testament times. You said that the word we started using was Abba, which means father, my question is, do you feel that in general, mankind's relationship with God started to take a shift from this kind of distance, reverent relationship to a more affectionate, intimate one where we say, Daddy, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think there's a huge shift that happens in the New Testament where Paul writes, you know, this is after Jesus has died. And The church has begun this whole idea of being a Christian means that you become a child of God. You become part of this family, and the wording that keeps getting used is that he's Abba Father, and Abba is what a kid would call their dad. Not the cold impersonal father, father's home. Like I don't hear that from my kids. That's mm. not that's not a realistic right. relational expression for, right. for an eight-year-old, mm. you know, hello, father. But it, it's dad. Mm. And so this that approach of we are now children of God, and that's not even just a fancy title, mm-hmm. but he actually loves us like his kids, and and he wants us to see him as his dad in a close, relational, tangible kind of way. The comparison between that and back in Exodus, when God said, don't even say my name to the point of punishment, mm-hmm. it's a fairly remarkable shift, yeah. and I'm sure it would have been For them, it's easy for us to overlook it thousands of years later. But for someone who was alive during that shift, I'm sure there was some disbelief for quite a while Mm. where I still don't want to say his name, but you're telling me to call him dad. Mm. That's pretty wild.
0: And if someone's listening to this and struggling a little bit with that tension, let's say, between the, should I think of God as this reverent, powerful being that I should, you know, respect and fear versus I should call out to him as dad. And they kind of want to work that out a little bit. Any advice you have?
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a great question because... We believe both of those things. Yeah. We believe that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and that he is reverent and, and worthy, but at the same time, still dead. And so, I, I think in your relationship with him, if you're trying to seek him, learning more about him, you know, I, I would examine the scriptures and read the stories of times when he was to be feared and what happened, and then other times in the New Testament where the language is more intimate and and relational and just start to examine those and really start to build your conclusion about who is god saying he is all throughout scripture don't just hear what everyone else has said but who in these pages is god saying i am these things and so i would would obviously get into the word but even pray right Mm -hmm. listen seek him out ask yourself what it means to fear god and then ask yourself what it means to be near to god and just really ask him to help you. That's what he does. It is a difficult thing to say, I believe, both of these seemingly opposite ends of the spectrum simultaneously. But uh, I guess he just is. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. that's kind of where we land. When When you follow a God who just is, there is things that are too big for us to fully comprehend. Mm-hmm. But keep seeking that out.
0: Awesome. Well, I look forward to this series. I think it'll be exciting to hear all the different names and expanding on those, plus all the people's stories around those. So yeah, uh, I'm thanks. excited. Yeah, thanks for doing this. And thanks, everyone, for listening. The podcast with only one simple name. Exactly.